0: Hello and welcome to another edition of the NS North podcast. I'm Dan Byers, and joining me is co-host Phil Casgrain. How's it going, Phil? It's going great, and you, Dan? Not too bad, man. For this podcast, we had the pleasure of chatting with Speaker Lena Mansour from Toronto. Welcome to the podcast, Lena.
1: Hi, thank you for having me.
0: Awesome. Could you tell our listeners a bit about yourself?
1: Sure thing. I am Lena Mansour. Um, I currently work as an engineering manager at PagerDuty. I run the mobile team there um i've been doing ios development for i don't know seven eight years now although i really don't do a whole lot of it anymore um and yeah i'm just super excited to be part of ns north they came uh it's one of my favorite conferences actually um very good. ns north and and singleton i think are my favorite two so far um
2: Beautiful. So I'm super excited. Yeah. Singleton was an inspiration for what we did with NS North. It, we certainly tried to take the uh, the bits that we really liked about Singleton, including going to Montreal this year. Apparently,
1: oh, that's true. That's true. Yeah, no, it's it. They're they're both great conferences. To be honest, like I love the fact that it's it's a mix of like super technical but not super technical. I love the size of it. Um, I'm a fan of the smaller conferences where you get to actually get to know people and and, and spend quality time.
0: Yeah, that's that's one of the the key differences we think with uh, ours versus you know some of the other massive events that are out there these days. It's it's, it's, true. it's nice being able to meet everybody for sure. It's true. Yeah. So I, you're at PagerDuty duty now, and that's I am. Yeah. So that that's fairly recent, or
1: I've been here six or seven months now, so pretty recent. Yeah. I did my little tour around. Uh, I think when we met or when we spoke last, I was probably at FreshBooks.
0: Yeah, that's right.
1: Yeah, I ended up leaving FreshBooks actually for six months, and then going back to FreshBooks again, um, and then eventually moving on to PagerDuty.
0: Cool. And uh, so, how, how how big is your team there?
1: Uh, um, we have so my team is we have seven full-time developers, uh, mobile developers. It's a mix of both iOS and Android, and then we also have uh, a couple of interns that come and go. So, pretty big team.
0: For people who aren't quite sure what PagerDuty is or does, could you give it a, like a quick little rundown, like in a nutshell, of what what they do?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So PagerDuty, uh, we do real time operations management. So what that means is that we're kind of the central nervous system, I guess, for your um, for your digital or your your ops world. So we collect different uh, signals from a whole bunch of places, so like Datadog, New Relic, uh, Crashlytics, whatever. There is a signal where you set it up, we collect it, we kind of filter through the noise, we figure out what matters and what doesn't, and then we, if something goes bad, if your website goes down or your app's crash rate goes up or anything uh, happens, we wake up the right person at the right time to um, address the issue. We do a bunch of smart things to make sure that we can help you. fix the issue faster and then we also do a whole bunch of like analytics and give you an overview how your system your business is doing so basically we help we help people keep their businesses running and let them know um you know things like how often is it down how much does it cost you when it's down that kind of stuff
2: I'm assuming that it comes back from the uh, the fact that uh, people used to have a, an actual pager that it would pass around for people that were on pager duty but now it's all it's all uh, electronic and it's all probably you have an API so you can people can set who is on pager duty.
1: Exactly. So like the we do a lot more now but in the beginning the, the, the spirit of the product was basically replacing the pager, right? So we have your schedules, um, you know, who's on call, when do you switch and all that kind of stuff. You've got the escalation policies. If the first person doesn't pick up, um, you know, who do you page next, that kind of stuff. And then now instead of carrying a pager, you carry your phone and you get a push notification or a text message or a phone call. And um, that's how you, you just launch your app and acknowledge it there and start dealing with it there.
0: And so do you guys have a app API at all for, for developers to hook your services in through, you know, one of, one of your, our enterprise apps, say for instance.
1: Yeah. So we, we do have an API, we have a public API that people can uh, use to use our product, however different ways they want. And then we also, we integrate into basically every existing thing that's out there Um so if you have anything that you're trying to feed in, we probably have it set up so that you can um, set up an integration. But if you don't, we also allow you from the, the, the product to kind of set things up uh, whatever way you want.
2: The thing that comes to mind for me is something like Pingdom, where it checks that your servers are up or, you know, certain services are up. <laughs> but this is like Pingdom, but that takes a variety of data sources.
1: People use it for all kinds of things. So like the standard use case is you're a tech company, you're monitoring your services. So for my team, for example, which is the mobile team, we have our data sources are things like Crashlytics and New Relic. Um, some stuff in Datadog as well. And um, if you ship and you start releasing something and your crash rate goes up, Crashlytics through... We, we pick up on that thing from Crash... on that The fact that your crash rate went up through Crashlytics and notify people... Um, So that kind of stuff, your website goes down, um, something is going to, there's a, there's a, there's a graph set up somewhere that will tell you that, you know, your visits have dropped or something has dropped. Uh, But then people use it on all kinds of fun ways. Like there's someone who uses it, you know, you can set it up to integrate with a scale. Um, So someone had set it up so that if the keg in their office uh, gets too low, (laughs) (laughs) too light, someone gets notified, right? And then, and There's there's all kinds of uses so there's that kind of stuff and then there's there's way cooler ways that it gets used in that um, um, we have like a there's a one of our one of our clients or customers is a uh, kids helpline so when someone gets when a kid who's in danger or is not you know doing great texts that helpline someone gets paged oh
0: very and that's how
1: they know that they need to like get to you know respond to this kid and have the chat with this kid right and so it it just it's a lot bigger um it it can be it's very flexible it can be used in any a lot of um, different kinds of ways
0: that that's certainly bringing a nice human component to it you know Uh, (laughs) that you don't get to see too often
1: it's true we actually actually we have a customer as well that uses it to make sure that their fridges run at the right temperature because they deliver groceries and they need to make sure that the fridges, if the fridge temperature goes down, then the food's going to go bad. So they have it set up to, so that the thermometer connects into phagia duty. So yeah, it's, it's very wide range of integrations and ways to use it.
2: Like for example, if somebody left the fridge door open.
1: Exactly. Yeah. S-
2: so you were at FreshBooks before and, uh, what attracted you to, uh, to the move?
1: So I, I started my management part. I switched to management while I was at FreshBooks, um, and then PagerDuty, uh, I just, I knew a lot of people who worked at PagerDuty and uh, one of them reached out and uh, initially my response was like, appreciate you reaching out, but like, no thanks. Um, but as I spoke to them more and I learned more about the product and, and just what it's doing and, and where it's going and, um, you know, the culture of the team and all that kind of stuff, I was 100% sold. Like I showed up to the office and I just, it's the first impression, you know, you walk into the office and it looks like Toronto right? Like, Chihuahua is a really diverse place. Yeah. And generally, when you walk into a tech company, it doesn't look like the outside. Um, But I walked into the office and it very much is like, it's diverse in all kinds of different ways. Um, It's a great culture. It's a great product. um, And it just, it was like, is this really, really solid foundation of what the mobile apps do. And the challenge now is where to go next. And that's a really cool challenge to take on.
2: How old are the mobile apps?
1: Uh, the mobile apps aren't that old. They're probably, I'm going to say like four years or so. They started off maybe five. They started off as like someone's hack day. Um, but it, they're, they're, they're the responders experience. So if you're on call, that's where you go first. It's the mobile app. Um, so we, we figured that part out, but then what else can we do with the mobile apps is kind of where we're at. That's fantastic.
0: So, so backing up a little bit, how did you get your start in tech?
1: Oh, um, f- pure, it was pure fluke. Um, a hundred percent luck. Uh, I, you know, like we all are, I was very young when I was trying to figure out what I want to do with my life. Um, and I didn't grow up here. I grew up in Egypt uh, and we didn't have, there's no programming classes that you can take in high school. That's not a thing. So like the the most I knew about programming is like, you know, doing HTML and CSS things for my MySpace page. That was kind of the extent of it. Oh, wow. Um, so I was trying to figure out what to do, and uh, as a very stubborn uh, young kid, uh, I was very determined to not do anything that my parents do. Um, <laughs> and my parents are in the medical field, and so is my sister, so I was just like, engineering it is. Um, <laughs> nice. And, as, again, because I grew up in Egypt as... as, as you know, a lot of immigrants will tell you this. Like, there's not a lot of options growing up. It's not like, oh, you can be whatever you want. You can be a, you know, whatever it is. You can just like there are few options. You can be a doctor, a dentist, a pharmacist, or an engineer.
0: Oh my goodness. <laughs>
1: and those are your options. So, engineer was what I went with. Um, I chose software engineering. I went to this university here uh, in Canada, in Ontario. Um, and yeah, I didn't know what programming was. I didn't know what software engineering meant. But I showed up. Uh, went to my you know, programming 101 class, intro to programming, I guess, class, and uh, it worked out. I found out that I really, really enjoyed it. Uh, I was pretty good at it.
0: So that UIT or? Uh,
1: I went to U-O-I-T, which a lot of people don't know what, that it exists, which is why I just don't mention it. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's called University of Ontario Institute of Technology, and it's in Oshawa, oh. which is like an hour and a half east of Toronto. It was a pretty new university. It was actually the second graduating class in my program. Oh, wow. Uh, so it was very, my class was like, by the end of it, we were like eight people, 12 people, uh, depends on the class. Yeah. And uh, that was a very interesting experience because you really got to know your professors and your dean and all that kind of stuff really well.
0: Yeah, that, that's amazing Like having such small
2: groups there. My mm-hmm. goodness.
1: <laughs> you couldn't right. skip class though because they knew.
2: <laughs> I'm going to venture, that's a fairly atypical experience too, of walking into a, a programming uh, degree, essentially, and saying, well, I don't know a whole lot of programming. This looks like fun. And then uh, you, you it turns out you're really good at it, and that's awesome. But that's probably not for what your colleagues are in the class were doing.
1: It's true. It was very cool, and, it, and I was, I'm very happy it worked out the way it is, but it also made it very difficult because of that, because you're surrounded by people who have been programming since however old, so you really felt like you didn't fit in, right? Because you're like, okay, well, I'm getting good grades. I'm good at this. I'm enjoying programming, but I'm, yeah. I'm not i'm not that person who's been breathing it forever um but you know you're just got to stick with it
0: were there many uh, women
1: uh there was not so because my classes were very small that also didn't help but i was actually the only uh woman in my class wow um, from like maybe the second half of second year maybe third year on
0: yeah so that was pretty cool <laughs> Yeah, so so you finished up at OIT, and then and then what happened?
1: Uh, so I finished at UIT. I didn't want to uh, grow up yet, so I kind of spent a year just serving tables at various places. Maybe not a year, but like almost a year um, until I was ready to get my big girl job. Um, <laughs> I eventually gave in, and I started uh, working as a visual basic developer, actually, at this uh, company that I shall not name um, that did software for banks. Oh yeah. Uh it was the worst job. I lasted four months. It was awful. (laughs) And I left.
0: And anything with Visual Basic, my goodness.
1: (laughs) It it was just it was interesting to say the least, but it was also like very waterfally. So you would be like a million meetings and and weeks that go by is just you would add a check mark in Visual Basic to this to this program. So you would just kind of twiddle your thumbs a lot. Um That didn't work out, so I moved to the startup world and um, went to a small company. Actually, the same company that Numrata spoke about in her podcast uh, recording. Um, So we both worked together uh, on the mobile team there, but I started there as a back-end Java developer. Um, And then a couple weeks in, they said that they needed an iOS developer um, or someone to learn iOS. And I hadn't done any iOS, and I put my hand up, and I haven't looked back since. Awesome. Yeah, so I ended up be doing iOS there, uh, learning iOS at uh, that small company, and then after that, moving to FreshBooks, doing both iOS and Android there.
0: Oh, you're doing Android at FreshBooks too?
1: I did, yeah. Not as much, uh, but I, we did. There were you were a mobile engineer, not an iOS or Android, so you, you kind of had your choice, but you still had to do a little bit of the other kind of thing.
0: Okay, that's good. It's good to have a uh, you know a, a good uh, breadth of uh... Of experience there that that's wonderful
1: yeah if they they definitely help each other if you know one platform it helps you kind of think about some things in the other platform as well
0: yeah for sure so do you so jumping forward again to your current position mm-hmm. do you being the engineering manager there I, I guess it's a mobile team that you run so yes. it's uh both android and ios developers mm-hmm. mixed in okay yeah and, and is there the backend as well in that, or is that a different team?
1: So there's a lot of teams. Um, we don't do much of the backend stuff. We do have like a, um, we call it, we call it BFF. We call it backend for front end. We have like a little layer that sits between us and the API um, but by us, I mean, our two mobile clients, uh, our Android and iOS mobile clients, and it, we kind of use it to aggregate data, to manipulate data, to just to reduce some of the load, um, on the mobile clients. So if your app needs to do a bunch of, you know, three different API calls and do a bunch of logic to get some stuff out of that, instead, we move that into that layer, which is a service like written in Scala that is a backend service. Um, nice. So you call one thing; it does them all.
2: It's like your own middleware, essentially.
1: Yeah, yeah, and it's it's been super. It's so helpful.
0: And that that's more or less like that's more or less coined it a micro a microservice as well, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Very nice. So our our
1: our, our team handles that as well, but uh, we don't touch the rest of the backend. Uh, the rest of the teams do that.
0: Cool, cool. Huh. So, um, what would be your biggest tip? Would you say? For somebody who is looking to explore more of a management role, mm-hmm. if, if, you know, if you're coming from a developer position, like what was what, what your, your, your biggest hurdle, I guess you could say?
1: That's a really good question. Um, a little bit of a sidetrack here, a side note, but I think it's really important to think about why you want to go into the management path. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, for a lot of people, it seems like it's the only way you can get ahead, right? Like. Hey, I'm a developer with how do I expand my career? I got to go into management. Um and I've, I've seen I've seen people go into it for not the right reasons and it just doesn't work out cuz you you're not happy if you if you're a programmer and that's what you want to do and you want to write code. Like I don't really write code anymore. I I kind of freelance on the side just so I don't forget how to do it. Um but I I don't really um do it as my day job much, so it, it's it's I've seen a lot of people go in there and then regret it and then end up having to, like, change companies even if they love the company they work at because it's hard to go back. Um,
0: uh, right. But
1: it's, it's once you know, once you, once you understand why, I guess, you want to do that and if, if, if it is the right reasons, um, that, that my tips would be, um, like, as I became a manager, my, my biggest, um, the biggest thing that helped me was having kind of a support what I call I call them a support group but a, a support system I had a few people who were also new at management that I met with bi-weekly and we sat down for an hour and we talked about some of the challenges we were having and how could you address them and it was a very productive like it wasn't a oh we're friends and we're gonna sit around I mean we were friends but we weren't gonna sit around and like complain about stuff it's like you go in there with a problem to solve and you have five brains to try and help you solve it um, and that was super helpful in helping you overcome hurdles, but also in um, making you feel normal. I guess as you, um, you know, bang around trying to figure out how to be a good manager.
2: Yeah, because you're suddenly responsible for a bunch of humans, and humans have needs. So you have to you have to meet them.
1: Absolutely, you know, because of how you need to present yourself and how you need to act in a professional manner. The people that have those needs, it, they might not necessarily understand why you're not helping them meet them. Because the, the perspective changes, right? Like, um, you know, they they might not always assume the best thing, um, and you got to make sure that you got to build that trust. You got to help them. You got to, you know, there's a lot of stuff to do to be a good manager, and um, just having a a, a support system. Um, is really the, the thing I can recommend the most.
2: You mentioned that uh, people see management as a, a way of career advancement because there's no, there doesn't seem to be any, any other way. Uh, was there another track offered, like a technical track offered for people that were wanted to move forward? Or was that track simply blocked because a company can only have so many architects? <laughs> mm, that's, that's
1: a really, that's a really fair point. Um, for f- at FreshBooks, which is when I didn't make my switch, um there, there was a track. There is a track, but you're right. Like there is a point where, like, okay, now you're kind of stuck here. Um, at Page Duty, we have like six levels of, of developer, of technical path developer, um, and, and senior starts at three. So you've got a lot of room there to grow with different responsibilities and that kind of stuff. And sometimes that's what you got to do, right? You got to move on to a bigger company that can have more principal developers.
2: Or a company that sorely needs a principal developer or a good engineering manager. Exactly. Exactly.
1: It's, it's, you, you just gotta, you gotta do what, like we, we spend so many hours at work every week uh, of our life and you just gotta do what actually brings you joy. Um,
2: yeah. Oh, life is too short. <laughs> you have exactly. no argument from me. Exactly. Yeah, it's either,
0: either you try to progress to the next level or you either look outside the company, I guess, for something new, right?
1: Exactly. And, and even as like, I mean, don't tell, uh, I mean, I have told my current employers, but don't tell some of my past employers, but sometimes, as, even as a manager, as a people manager, I say that to people sometimes. It's like, you know what? Like for you to grow, maybe this isn't the right place yeah. um, and, and you should, we, should we, can, we can talk and we can figure out what, what would be the right place and, and see if we can get you there.
2: In general, the job that you're into, you want to do the best job, you want to do the best work of your life at that job, right? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. if, if that starts to take a nosedive, maybe it means that it's not the job for you. You're, you're absolutely right.
1: And it doesn't mean it doesn't need to be when you're like so far ahead in your career that you don't need to that you don't know where to go. Like I've helped someone move from um, the company that they that we were at to like a an agency type thing that prioritizes a lot more of the things that they care about. And there's so much half for it, and they're growing so much more because they needed that place. They needed that place where they can work on all kinds of different things, and they needed that place to grow in the areas that they care about. Yeah, you only live once.
0: That's right. So, so I, I also as your engineering manager, do you get to spearhead many new initiatives and like kind of def, uh, drive new features that that you know that you can come up with yourselves or? Like how do you find there's a lot of flexibility in that kind of a role? Uh,
1: yeah. I mean, nobody tells you what the engineering manager role actually means. Uh, you just kind of kind of figure it out for yourself um, and <laughs> make it what you're good at, right? Like figure out what it is. What can you contribute and contribute that? So in within PagerDuty as an engineering manager, um, I'm responsible for, because we are the only mobile team. I'm basically just responsible for mobile. Um, so I have the flexibility, the autonomy, and the and the um, a responsibility, I guess, of figuring out what that means, figuring out what mobile as a whole needs to go. So I have a, a, a really excellent counterpart and uh, a product manager. Uh, she's amazing, and we we work really well together. And um, so her style allows anybody in the team to like figure out what 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 do we think a feature should be, and like bring that up, and 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 we can make that happen. But uh, between her job and mine, it is kind of our our role to figure out um, what features are coming up next, what's a long-term vision for the app, what's a long-term vision for the team, um, all that kind of stuff, yeah.
2: Project managers are a bit weird because uh, they interact with so many different teams that every team seems to have the tendency to discount them, whereas they're probably the most important person at the nexus of all these things.
1: It's true, it's true.
2: So when you're
0: not, um, looking after all the minions, <laughs>
1: <laughs> we don't call them that, Dan.
2: <laughs> She's be <menacing> humans. <laughs> well, yeah. All <laughs> my fantastic team,
1: team. Yep. When I'm yep, not looking,
2: exactly.
0: when the I'm not serving people. my
1: fantastic team.
0: Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, what, what do you like to do in your uh, spare time?
1: Uh, what do I like to do with this spare time? A lot of things. Um, so, like I said, I, I freelance uh, a little bit on the side. I um, work on an app called Revere, actually, uh, that's owned by a friend of mine that like helps you take notes about people, which I've realized the value of more when I became a manager. And it's just like little things, like if I met you and I, you know, I learned what your wife's name was, and maybe that you're learning a new hobby, and that you know you have a conference coming up. I could go into my phone and like put in like okay cool Dan's wife this is her name here's a new here's a note about Dan's new hobby and here's a reminder, to you know email Dan in May and ask him how the conference went.
2: And you just need the new the new glasses from Apple to show that up whenever you meet Dan, right?
1: Exactly.
2: <laughs> oh yeah, that'd be perfect.
1: <laughs> <laughs> not creepy at all. <laughs> um, yeah. So I, I do some of that so I can not forget my programming. Uh, I, I do a lot of. Um, sportsy active things i play dodgeball which is a real thing that adults play um wow yeah (laughs) i
0: saw that in your profile you're right up there that's like wow so is that that's pretty popular in toronto
1: um it's like a small niche community uh but fun fact there is a team canada for men and women and they play against other countries
0: Um, oh my goodness yep (laughs) i didn't even realize that
2: (laughs) Is it, it played is it? with the uh, the the same rubber ball that we had in school, the one that's that's uh, almost not inflated but super bouncy?
1: It's it's very bouncy if you hit it in the face. I don't know. I didn't <laughs> grow up here, so I didn't have that <laughs> ball in school. But <laughs> but if you get hit in the face, it doesn't hurt too much. They have like really nice balls now. Like I think the, the actual like the the provincials and the you know international games are played with like elephant skin or something balls. Oh my goodness! Something wow. really fancy um, yeah, I play dodgeball. I, I, I'm bad at running, but I do that. Um, I, I like active things. Um, I have two lovely dogs, so I spend a lot of time with them. Uh, I actually, I was, this morning I was at, so I'm going through the process of trying to volunteer with my dog for her to be a therapy pet at H, like the Addiction and Mental Health Center.
0: Oh,
2: wow.
1: So, so this morning we were at training, so she would find out we would find out if she would be a good therapy pet or not.
2: Right. If she's suitable, yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, so uh I spend some time with my dogs. I try to spend more time with my dogs, you know, you always feel a little bit guilty. Um <laughs> so, and uh yeah, I I play a lot of Call of Duty. Um <laughs> my my husband and I have uh we have two TVs and two Xboxes at home, so we can play <laughs> <laughs> Call of Duty together. <laughs> Bonding I actually just we were just i i stopped our we were playing before this phone call um
0: nice
1: <laughs> do a lot of that It's really fun, it's really social actually because we play with with friends of ours, so like we'll get on a party together and play together
2: note to self do not play do not play against Alina at duty that's yeah, that's no.
1: <laughs> good advice <laughs> um, other than that, I think I like my main hobby what I say is like my main passion is like trying everybody else's passion so I just try to learn new things all the time so I'm always picking up like a new sport like I tried speed skating power skating I tried hockey because I felt like I should do that as a Canadian you know yeah um like I'm generally signing up for random college classes my current thing I'm learning I'm learning um sign language and uh (laughs) cross-stitching
0: oh awesome yeah (laughs) Very cool. So can you communicate with an Uh
1: I have once had a random conversation with a random person on the street. I told her I liked her hat and she asked me if I speak sign language and I said no. And that was the extent of the conversation. And then I told yeah. her to have a nice day. <laughs> uh, so we're still pretty early. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, I'm, I'm working. I'm working on it.
0: Nice. I, I've always wanted to try and learn. I, I have a deaf aunt and... Uh, mm. It's, uh, just, I'm terrible. I, sh- I should have taken more, uh, more effort to, to, to learn and communicate with her. She, she still loves to use the teletypewriter service. Oh,
1: what is that?
0: So teletypewriting is basically where you would call an operator at that service and you would tell them what to type in. And then she has a terminal at her home and she would see the text coming up. Um, oh, interesting. Yeah, like it's back in probably like the 50s or 60s. I don't know how how old this service is, but like...
1: Right. Um, I mean, now the people that I do know in the deaf community, like it's just FaceTime now, right? So you call a person on FaceTime and you just sign.
0: Oh, of course. My goodness, yes.
1: And it's just, uh, it's so much easier. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, absolutely. Holy cow. Yeah, it makes perfect sense. Yeah, I'll, I'll have to check out and see if my aunt has her like her daughter that she lives with if she has a if she uses the facetime service mm-hmm. for for her her mom That
1: yeah i gotta say learning it as an adult is pretty difficult um it is it's it's a, it's a very different it, The the structure is very different of course it's not like you're not translating english it's a whole new language right and i think that's kind of something you go in not expecting this different grammar and different structure to sentences and and all kinds of things and it's uh, you gotta it's like any language like I used to speak French one once in my life but if you don't practice it you lose it right
2: yeah I I've read that there are dialects of uh, of uh, sign language too so because between say French from Quebec and French from France they sometimes don't understand each other mm. so.
1: no absolutely so there's actually every country has their own so French sign language is actually different than American sign language, which is what we use here. Um, But then there's, so like every country has their own sign language, but then there's also dialects between, so sorry, so the America and Canada both use ASL, but there are different dialects there. So
2: it's like an accent, essentially.
1: Exactly. Exactly. And there's, there's also signs that are, that are um, location-based. So there are, you know, there's a sign for the CN Tower if you're in Toronto, but you wouldn't know what that is if... You're from Quebec, for example, that kind of stuff.
2: Or you think it's a, the space Noodle in Seattle? <laughs> exactly, exactly. Well, thanks very much for joining us, Lena.
1: Thank you. That was really fun.
2: And uh, if you want to uh, learn more about Lena and uh, her, uh, her, maybe she'll sign for you if you ask. Uh, <laughs> you can come and meet us and meet her at NS North on uh, April 26th to the 28th in Montreal. And uh, go ahead and go and buy your tickets because uh, the time is running out. And uh, we'd love to see you there at the uh, end of April in Montreal. Uh, Dan, thanks for the uh, wonderful uh, recording. Thank you, Phil. And thank you, Lena. It was a pleasure speaking with you tonight.
1: Super excited to see you folks soon.
2: See you all in Montreal.